Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisiloff, the editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Wakaya, who's our lead author. We sent out our quarterly letter last week. So each quarter, we like to do a letter where we synthesize the things that we've been reading throughout the last three months and think about where we are relative to the economy and catalysts, and then also look forward to the things that we're looking for in the next earning season which is coming up soon. And so we wrote this letter. I think the biggest takeaway for me in the macro section is just the uncertainty that was created by the financial stress that happened around SVB and First Republic and Credit Suisse, et cetera, uh, in the last few weeks. And then the way that impacted the Fed, the uncertainty makes it so that we don't have as much visibility into what the Fed is planning to do from an interest rate standpoint, which could affect financial markets. So I think everybody's in a bit of a wait and see mode, which is what the Fed also talked about at their last meeting. But Eric, any thoughts or new things that have come to you in the last week? I think we are where we were, I think, last week. Nothing much in terms of new data. I mean, as we're doing this quarterly letter, I go back until January to dates, just see really in terms of how the newsletter has developed over time, looking at the quotes and stuff. And it's very interesting to see how much stuff I think we cover the transcripts and how themes have developed from January to February to March. So in January, everybody was worried about how high inflation is. In February, still a bit on inflation, but it was coming down. But then suddenly in March, the bank situation hit and the whole conversation shifted to are we raise rates a bit too much to break the system. I think you captured it well. They're still waiting for more data. I think this month's earnings season, and this earnings season that starts with banks next week will be very key in terms of seeing where some of the banks are in terms of where what's happened in the last bits of the quarter. So I think that's my key picking, that we still don't have enough data to see where we or which side now is more overwhelming. Is it the inflation side or the banking stress side? And when, what the Fed is going to do about it. So I think that's something I picked up. Any other thoughts sir, from the newsletter list? Yeah, it certainly doesn't feel like the banking stress is as prevalent now as it was a couple of weeks ago. It feels like it was a hurricane that kind of blew through and passed through. I think that people still remember Bear Stearns in 2008 was just the beginning of the financial cascade, not the end of it. And while it feels like things are a lot better now, there's certainly the chance that we could get a second wave of financial stress. although. It's not clear to me what the catalyst would really be in order to create that financial stress in the system or actually like a second wave of banking stock declines or anything like that. And so really it's relative to that, it's what's the underlying inflation trends. And that goes back to what we were observing at the beginning of the year, where you have good inflation coming down, you have servicing services inflation that was still persisting, but you have some cooling trends in the economy. You have labor markets that weren't quite as tight as, as they had been. And so that may make it so that inflation pressures are starting to come off some. I think the other thing that we wrote about in the letter is that Consumer spending has stayed really strong throughout the year. I think that's it. Consumer spending, I think it's the same thing I noticed. And so I think there's a quote there which you referenced. I think JP Morgan talking about cash buffers, at least for the lower income consumers, are starting to fall back to pandemic levels by Q3 this year. I think what you're seeing so far in terms of reading through from January to March is that 
the consumer is still spending. They're still tapping into this cash savings that they have saved during the pandemic. They're still spending, especially on services, still things to do with travel and entertainment. They are a bit pressed. I think we've seen a couple of retailers mention that, but they're still spending nonetheless. The banking stress has so far, as you say, maybe it blew up too quickly. The consumer didn't even notice or feel it, especially since depositors were made whole. So I think generally consumers are still spending and spending well. So generally, they're not key picking from the consumer side. I think one of the things that also came up, I think, in looking at the last three months of, of our earnings called Shamsky, as well as the pickup in terms of the language in AI, in terms of how the, the large language models that they're being applied to, to search, to various products around the world in terms of company like Microsoft and Google picking up a fight. I think AI is on key terms that has come up in the past two or three months and is expected at least to be one of the highlights in terms of discussion points in this earnings season. Do you agree on that? I think you're very close and you're very excited about this too. So maybe Isha, you have more points to add on that. Yeah, I'm honestly finding it a little bit difficult to focus on macroeconomic trends outside of the AI. I know that we're like in this really choppy economic environment where we may be headed towards a recession and there's dynamics in monetary policy and financial stress and all that. But all of it seems uh, somewhat unimportant compared to what's going on in AI right now and the impacts that could have on the economy. Much more positive than negative to me, I think. But it's just, it's mostly just displacement in terms of the opportunities, if these large language models just get marginally better, honestly, even where they are right now, they can be very helpful in understanding pretty much most things that you, that require learning things that you don't understand right now that you need to understand better. I was doing a research project last week and the first place I went to was ChatGPT and started asking it questions about this particular subject that I needed to have a better understanding of. And it got me up the curve much faster and much more tailored than Google would have done if I would have done that in the past. And ChatGPT, for most of us, is still not even connected to the internet. Like most people don't have access to the plugins yet. And once you have the plugins and you're connecting to the internet and you're able to interface with this large language model that's chatting with you, it can really suck the gravity out of Certainly things that touch the internet historically up until six months ago, the parts of the economy that were the premier parts of the economy. What happens to Facebook in a world where you're mostly interfacing with large language model? What happens to Google? What happens to Amazon? These companies are fundamentally web browser companies. What happens if the way that we interact with the world changes away from the web browser, changes towards some sort of more natural language interface? There's massive displacement and economic value that can come from that. And definitely, and I think every company for the last two or three months, ever since like ChatGPT was launched and then being launched, it's such GPT-powered new being. What you've seen is that every company is taking time to actually analyze what does ChatGPT and AI and GPT-4 mean for me as a company? What parts of a company can we make more efficient? And I've been spending a bit of time also on GPT Plus myself the past couple of weeks, and I was just testing it and it wrote an entire piece of code on Python something I wanted to do. I think I, I imagine that would have taken me a lot of time back and forth in terms of writing the script, going online, searching for a small solution to a really particular problem that you have for yourself. But now by interacting just with ChatGPT, I was able to create an entire code and plug it into plug it into Python and I'm done with all my work that I needed to do at the end of the day. So I think that kind of efficiency 
I think that's what you're looking at a lot of companies doing. And one of the other gleaning that you get from reading the transcriptures is that companies are investing more in AI. So they may be even tech companies, even though they're cutting every other aspect of their growth, one area they're not cutting on is their investments in AI and especially investment in like the kind of things they need to be able to work out AI. And I think that's one of the things that you noted there, that one of the winners in the public markets appears to be NVIDIA. And NVIDIA is actually the best performing stock in Q1 2023 so far. So I think very interesting development and one that will be definitely be watching this earnings season. But beyond AI, and I'm sure that you want to discuss more on AI, is there anything else that you tracking as we start the earnings season? Especially for banks, anything that you're watching? Yeah, I think it's what you mentioned earlier on the banks. It's seeing to what extent the hurricane that blew through the financial system ended up impacting and their quarter numbers. What happened in deposits at a bank like First Republic? for instance. I think it was well understood which banks were under attack, so to speak, but how it leaves their balance sheets looking and what sort of impairments and whether or not there would be further surprises for equity markets in terms of how impacted they were. Those are the key things that we're looking for in, in earnings calls in over the next couple of weeks. And then what's, the, what's going on with the consumer? Is the consumer starting to spend less? than they were, as judged by whatever the credit card companies are saying. Those would be big data points for me. How about you? I think same. I think this quarter you expect investors to pay more attention to available for sale and health maturity securities more than usual. I think they become the lingua franca now. <laughs> the common parlance, the key earnings calls now. So you expect more questions in that regard. Of course, you also want to see how supply chains are developing so far. I think they have been easing, so I think a bit of continuation of that. In the international markets, of course, the deglobalization, seeing how companies are adjusting to that in terms of where they're placing factories and all. So a couple of things to watch there here and then. And of course, how the labor markets are developing different, different pockets of the economy. Any thoughts on that? No, I think that... Uh... No. It's definitely... <laughs> On that note, I think we can close there for this week. Thank you so much for joining us Eastern, this weekend. So we'll have our newsletter next week on Tuesday and our podcast again on Wednesday. So thank you for joining us so much. See you again. Season starts and then we are pumped up for this one because it's a very exciting one ahead.